Whether you're looking for a home, already a homeowner, or even if you rent, you've probably noticed that housing prices have gone up over the last couple years. Or rather, they've skyrocketed. In 2021 alone, the median home price in Utah rose more than 22%. As a result, today, more than 60% of homeowners can no longer afford the median home price, which, by the way, comes in right around $535,000 as of the time we're recording this. What's more, nearly three out of four renters have been priced out of buying a home in Salt Lake County. Well, what a year for the housing market, okay. right? 2021 saw massive price increases, heated competition, that's probably an understatement, and more first-time home buyers actually getting squeezed out. If you're like most Utahns, there are probably a lot of reasons you like living here. Maybe it's the sense of community you get. You feel like this is a safe place to raise your family. Maybe you're here because Utah has historically been pretty affordable with great economic opportunity. Maybe you're here for the outdoors. Whatever your own reasons, chances are they are impacted in some way by our housing situation. After all, what kind of communities are we leaving the next generation if home prices are out of control? Skyrocketing prices are obviously not great for keeping Utah affordable. And what do the need for more housing and a growing population and a changing economy mean for our access to the great outdoors? In short, with the big and seemingly growing mismatch between home prices and what people can afford, we have the makings of a real housing crisis. And finding a way to fix this crisis is critical if we want Utah's future to include all the things we love today. This is the Your Utah, Your Future podcast. Envision Utah's podcast about how we make sure Utah is a great place to live both now and for decades to come. In the early 2010s, more than 52,000 of you joined us in creating a vision for Utah in 2050. This podcast is about that vision, what we all want for the future, and what we can do to get there. And today's episode is the first in a new series about the future of housing in Utah. For some, that future might seem bleak. We have an affordability crisis driven by a shortage of housing. So what's the root cause of all this? Is it COVID? Californians? Some mysterious economic forces? That's what we're going to try and answer today. Then next episode, we can start to look at the solutions. Because believe it or not, there are solutions. The future of housing doesn't have to be bleak. We can find ways to keep Utah housing affordable so that Utah is a great place to live for us today and for the next generation. So let's dive into the symptoms and causes of Utah's housing crisis. We're the type of state where we're subject to price spikes. Right now, for example, if we go back a whole generation plus going back to 1991, we lead the nation in housing price growth. So our housing prices since 1991 have increased 600%. So the last five years, our housing prices have increased 99.6%. We're only behind Idaho, whose prices increased 121.5%. That's Dayon Eskich, Senior Research Fellow at the Kemsey Gardner Policy Institute. According to Dayon, increasing prices are natural. Even price spikes are natural. In fact, if we look back at the last 45 years of Utah housing price data, there are only two times when we've seen prolonged decreases in prices. First, in the 1980s, when economic restructuring led to dramatic migration from Utah. And second, the Great Recession between 2007 and 2009. But those decreases didn't last long. We had this huge shift in market dynamics where the growth that occurred after the Olympics and then after the great financial crisis really put the nation's eyes on Utah where they're like, hey, this is a great place to go. So we saw this huge demographic growth, but we also saw a lot of investments and institutional money coming to our market. And so it's created this great economy. But as a result, we find ourselves in a housing shortage. We can't build enough homes. A great economy means a lot of Utahns. 
And a lot of Utahns means a lot of homebuyers and renters. And right now, we seem to have an exceptionally high number of homebuyers and renters, in part because we have an exceptionally high share of millennials. So right now across the country, we have about 32 and a half million people that are moving through that age group over from 2020 to 2025 or so. And we have an even higher share of that population here in Utah. Utah has one of the youngest populations in the country, with our median age coming in at 30.7 years old. To put that in perspective, the average median age in the United States is 38 years old. And the oldest state, Maine, has a median age of about 45 years old. So why does the age of our population matter? Well, if you look at the median age for a first-time homebuyer, it's somewhere between 32 to 34 years old. Of course, not everyone is buying a home when they hit 30, but it's not too hard to imagine why having a lot of people in their late 20s and 30s puts pressure on the housing market. It's a time when people strike out on their own, or at least reduce the number of roommates they have, or maybe try and find a bigger place to start a family. Now, this wouldn't be a problem alone if we had enough homes and apartments. But remember, there's a shortage, and that shortage seems to have been building for quite some time. The 2005 was really the genesis of where we are today. 2004, 5, 6, 7, we were overproducing housing units, and we were doing that because there was a lot of fake money in the system. That's Chris Gambrulis, president of Ivory Development. And that fake money he's talking about is something that's become known as liar loans. It's stated income loans, which is exactly what it sounds like. You told your mortgage officer what your income was and they never verified it. These liar loans helped homebuyers qualify for mortgages and get into homes that they couldn't make payments on. This was a big piece of the financial crisis. So we had a lot of foreclosures, and then you had a lot of institutional money coming in, absorbing it. And then for a decade, we underproduced. So we overproduced for a short time, and then we underproduced for a decade. And now we have this gap. We just don't have enough housing units. Last year, data from the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute suggested we were 50,000 housing units short of where we should be for a healthy market. To be clear, housing units refers not just to traditional single-family homes, but also to apartments, townhomes, basically anywhere someone can live long-term. We have seen some improvement, though. The U.S. Census Bureau announced that between July of 2020 and July of 2021, Utah led the nation in new housing units. And in the last two years, building permits have been issued for roughly 70,000 new units, which, by some estimates, has cut our housing shortage closer to 25,000 units. Another piece to this puzzle has to do with the existing homes market. Historically, new construction has made up only about 20% of available units on the market, meaning the other 80% is existing homes. In our healthier markets, that has meant close to 8,000 pre-existing homes listed in peak home buying season. In today's market, that number is closer to two or 3,000. The sale of pre-existing homes doesn't generally have big impacts on the housing shortage, unless people sell their homes to move out of state or due to someone passing away, but having more homes on the market does help to keep home prices from rising too much. So why are there so few pre-existing homes on the market? About 90% of homeowners today who have a mortgage have locked in below 5% interest rate. Those people are not motivated to sell their home today if they're going to replace a mortgage even at 6%, which is also historically very low. And while 6% is historically low if we look at interest rates over the last 50 years, the last two years saw rates dropping as low as 2.5%. That difference in interest rates can make a big difference for affordability. For example, if the median home price is $535,000, 
a 2.5% interest rate on a 30-year loan would make the monthly mortgage $1,912. In contrast, a 6% interest rate would raise that monthly payment to $2,787. That's an $875 difference each month, or more than $10,000 a year. With fewer homeowners inclined to lose their locked-in mortgage rates, there are fewer homes on the market. Fewer homes means buyers have to compete more for those homes, which means prices go up. And so far, we've only touched on one of our biggest challenges, growth. Even with our improved rate of construction, or at least permitting new housing units, we can talk about the actual construction in a minute, we are going to have to continue to match the pace of our growth over the next few decades. That means between 2021 and the year 2030, we need to build approximately 248,000 more units across our state, roughly building the equivalent of South Jordan every year. But this isn't the first time Utah has had to deal with growth. Growth has been Utah's constant companion for multiple decades. What is new is that recently the face of that growth has been changing. Ted Knowlton, Deputy Director of Wasatch Front Regional Council, a metropolitan planning organization that focuses on regional transportation planning, has been considering the way our growth impacts us throughout his whole career, part of which was spent right here at Envision Utah. And he's right. The face of Utah's growth is changing. If you look back at the last decade, Utah was the fastest growing state in the nation with a growth rate of 18.4%. By the way, this was actually the lowest percentage of growth Utah has seen since close to the 1930s, but it was still the fastest in the country. Up until just this last year, the majority of that growth has been what's called internal growth, our own kids and grandkids. In fact, historically, somewhere between two-thirds and three-fourths of our growth has been internal. But last year, that changed. Recently, we've actually seen more growth occur from in-migration than natural increase. Now, a lot of that are actually Utahns returning back home after living away. So it's not exactly like those two things are mutually exclusive. But this general sense that there are a lot of people moving into the state that haven't been here, that's actually true. It's unclear whether this surge of in-migration will prove to be a long-term trend or just an outlier. There are a few unusual factors that could be driving this increase, COVID being top among them. But the secret is also out. Utah is just a great place to live. We have a strong economy, a hot job market, and remarkable access to the outdoors. Who wouldn't want to live here? So even though this growth is not new to Utah, the changing source of growth has led some people to feel growing pains more acutely than usual, especially when it comes to the housing market and affordable housing. And that's got Utahns worried, which brings us to the next big obstacle we're facing. More than ever before, Utahns feel negative about growth, and it's affecting how they think about development and new housing. As long as I have been working as a planner for 25 years, people have always asked the question, why don't we just stop growing? Or what's the right amount of people to have in a place? Just like Ted, we hear this question a lot at Envision Utah. And to be fair, we get it. Growing pains are very real, and dealing with rapid change on a statewide scale or a community scale is no small task. But even though we're dealing with some significant challenges, trying to stop the growth altogether would do far more harm than good. I can't think of a place in the United States over the entire history of the country that has stopped growth without some really significant negative consequences. Or the way that they've stopped growth is by making a place just plain not desirable. That tends to be the way that growth rates tend to fall. The economy falters, quality of life falters, 
And instead of making homes more affordable, housing costs go up really high. Think of it this way. If we were to wave a magic wand and say growth had to stop, no new homes, no more people than the number we have right now, that wouldn't fundamentally change the economy, not right away anyway. And so good jobs wouldn't just disappear. And it wouldn't make Utah's outdoors or communities any less desirable. It would just make them scarce. And scarcity drives up prices. So the next time someone sold their home, the buyer might not be a young Utah couple buying a first home and starting a family here. It might be a wealthy out-of-stater who can easily outbid that young Utah family. The other option, of course, is to take more proactive steps to ruin the economy, make our communities less desirable, and destroy our outdoors. Then we could stop growing simply because people don't want to live here. We're guessing that's not a popular option. In fact, we've often found that those who are most vocal about their growth concerns just want Utah to stay an amazing place to live. The point is, sometimes it's easy to get a little too eager to try and stop growth. But if we try too hard to hit the brakes, we can end up doing what a lot of California has done for the last couple decades. That's to make it too hard to accommodate the growth affordably. The result is unnecessarily, even artificially constrained housing supply and higher home prices across the board. We'll talk more about how we can accommodate growth next episode. So far, we've talked a lot about our population and demographics, but we've got two more big constraints affecting our housing shortage and our home prices. Yeah, I mean, land is always an issue, right? We're landlocked by mountains on all sides. So we can only go north or south along the I-15 corridor and we're going to expand into Tuella as well. Again, that's Dayon Eskic with the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute. These natural constraints impact where Utah developers like Ivory can build new housing. And they're not just constrained by the natural geographic features of our state, like mountains and water accessibility. We're also constrained by the fact that only 25% of Utah's land is private and can be built on. The rest is owned by the federal government. This makes Utah among the 10 most urban states in the country. 90% of Utahns live in urban areas, in large part because we simply don't have a lot of rural land that people can live on. The last big constraint for today is labor and supply shortages in the home building space. Once again, Chris Gambrulis. There's just these clogs in the system at every point in time in the process. Clogs ranging from trouble finding enough people to work in construction to supply chain issues. The supply chain limits on, on products. So from the development side, there's a lot of products that we're struggling to get in. Right now, we have a shortage of concrete. A couple of months ago, there were brass water fittings. We've had trouble getting fire hydrants. There are even staff shortages when it comes to permitting. We know that our partners that work in the cities and the planning and the engineering offices and the building permit offices, they're struggling to find people. And there's only so many hours of the day to process applications. We saw much of this shortage, both labor and supply, come to light during the COVID-19 pandemic with unprecedented conditions in the housing market and limited available resources. We're still dealing with the impacts today. It takes a lot of moving parts to develop a new housing unit. So shortages don't just impact one part of the process, but the process at large. And every challenge we're up against, growth, opposition, natural constraints, and labor and supply shortages needs to be considered as we move forward. We know that's a lot to digest. Our current housing situation is complicated and overwhelming. It's easy to forget the impact it's having on actual people. As someone who works with data all day long, Mallory Bateman, the Director of Demographic Research at the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, works to keep people front of mind. 
I get to talk about data points all the time, but those data points reflect people. Think about your kids, potential kids, or, you know, your grandkids, can they stay? But also what about their friends at school who maybe moved here a couple of years ago? One other note, so in the 1990s, we had that increase in migration, and there was a lot of international migration that influenced that, but my entire adult household right now is those 90s movers, we're the kids of the 90s movers, and we have stayed and made our household here, and so we were fortunate to be able to do that, and hopefully that can continue into the future. Just to recap, we have a housing shortage. Part of that is because we have a relatively young population with a lot of people at just the right age and stage in life to put pressure on the housing market. Part of it is because Utah is a great place to live, so we have a growing population. There's also the fact that Utah has a lot of natural land constraints, and we're experiencing labor and supply shortages in home building. The result is home prices that are too high for a lot of Utahns. But it's not hopeless. While it's going to take effort, compromise, and some creative problem solving, we can find ways to address the housing shortage and accommodate our growing population. We don't have to give up our sense of community, our strong and affordable economy, or the unmatched beauty and recreation that Utah has to offer. We'll start to talk about how next episode. Next time on the Your Utah, Your Future podcast, we look at the steps needed to ensure that there's not only enough housing for future Utahns, but that it's affordable as well. For now, thanks for listening. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who cares about the future of housing in Utah. This podcast is an Envision Utah production made possible by Envision Utah's generous supporters and the many, many Utahns who have worked with us over the years. This episode was written and produced by Shayla Adams with Nate Brown and me, Jason Brown. Special thanks to all of our expert guests, Ted Knowlton, Chris Gambrulis, Dayon Eskich, and Mallory Bateman. We'll see you all next time for part two in our series on the future of housing in Utah.